Scott, are you bummed about the Twins moving their home opener one day later? No, no, I understand. Nobody wants to compete for ratings with the 81st game of the Timberwolves season. Welcome to episode 189 of Wolves Cast, the show that was also delayed tonight due to confetti still falling from last week's podcast. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. Oh, I couldn't see you. I'm Scott. I couldn't see you oh, across so the table. So all this confetti. Move this stuff out of here. It's just we just uh, started started conversing and it shook shook free all the confetti that we normally. Uh, I can't believe you had fire so much everywhere. confetti in the studio. Yeah, yeah it's just uh, just left over. You know, it just just happens during all the celebrating we're doing over here. My note from that night was confetti delay. How magical. <laughs> What a magical way to delay a game. It's not like, oh, my arena's leaking. Uh-huh. It's like, no, magical confetti is just falling from the sky. I guess that really should have like let us know how that Wizards game was going to go, because didn't that happen to the Sixers in the playoffs where they shot off the confetti before the game was over, oh, and they had to like, clean it all up, and then the Celtics it. came back uh, and beat them or something? Yeah. I yeah, think that's what happened. Something like that for sure. But yeah, it is. Uh, that, was, that was something else right there, having... <laughs> Having the waiting for the confetti to slowly fall. Some some great some great shots there. Got to give it up to the Bally Sports. Uh, you know their uh, their camera crew right there. Some some nice shots of just the flipping floating uh, <laughs> confetti. It reminded me. Falling. I didn't. I'm not making this up. When we used to go to like KG era Wolves games as kids. They shot streamers yeah. and confetti out after every win, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And I was just thinking, like, they don't do that anymore. That must no. have been such a nightmare to clean up after every game, especially like in a, ga- a season where they win like you know fifty games. That's a lot of, I a lot know. of confetti to clean up. A lot of- and so that's why I was surprised when I saw the confetti. And then they t- said it was because the the final four, the women's final four, was obviously in the target center this past weekend. So some leftover confetti from that because I was like, I didn't even think we did confetti anymore. Now on the broadcast, they were they were hypothesizing something about like wind. Or something like going through, you know, they were saying like, oh, and all these people in here are like, oh, this is the first time since since that game. And, you know, the the people, I forget what it was. They, they, they thought it was something to do with like a an air current going through. But my first idea as a as a as a, someone who's in venues a lot and, and as far as, uh, you know, music and audio production goes, I thought it was like, oh, they turned on the subs, they turned on the speakers mm. and it like shook free a bunch of stuff. I'm sure it was maybe a combo of both, but that was my first thing. It was like, oh, no, this is, you know, for the starting lineups, especially is when they really cranked the sound system. And that is actually uh, <laughs> what, what caused everything to, to be sent all over. But that's uh, Do you know a little fun the, thing. The singular form of confetti? Uh, uh, no, also confetti. Oh, uh, it's a confetto. A single no. piece of confetti is confetto. Whoa, that's some that's some Scott trivia right there. That's right. You all learned that's something that. listening to the Wolves cast tonight. You can stop it right here and you go. That'll come up in jeopardy one day, and you'll you'll think of me. Some pub trivia right that's there. Right. Okay. Well, uh, now that we've learned something, we can uh, get on with the show here. Thanks for thanks for joining us for another. Week of Wolves cast, everybody. We're here today to uh, talk about the last week of Timberwolves basketball, as well as uh, get into full court press, where we will uh, will preview the play in game, which is uh, all but certain to be um, yeah, featuring the Timberwolves in the seventh place right there. Uh, we'll talk about Greg Monroe, who is uh, back in the fold 
And uh, Scott is going to give us um, a little bit of a, a Minnesota Twins season preview uh, through the eyes of a Timberwolves fan. So he, he always makes it easy for those of you who are maybe less intense about the about the Twins and, and need, need a way in. So I'm looking forward to that. Scott always does a good job with a little bit of that. We have oh, yeah. A, I'm so excited, Neil. I'm yeah. so excited. Baseball's back. We got a sponsor in a brand new segment. We haven't had a new segment in uh, multiple years, I believe. So... We crafted one just in time for the end of this this season. Weekly Wolfies in a game. We'll be doing it all. You know it. Uh, but, of course, we started off with week recap. Wolves are currently 45-35 and 35 as we record here on Thursday while the team is uh, facing off downtown against uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they're sticking, uh, sticking solid there. They're the eighth-best net rating in the league. Uh, defensive rating dropped down a little bit to 13th. Offensive rating went up, though, I think, uh, one spot, up to 6th. So, Where are you uh, getting those from again? Clean the uh, glass? Clean the glass. All right, yeah, I think garbage time. Because I've seen slightly different numbers, but sure. they're all in that range. You know, yeah. They're one or two off, so it just depends range. where you get them from. Yeah, so. I was thinking maybe we should have delayed the podcast and recorded <laughs> later so that we could be doing live updates of the yeah. Nuggets-Grizz game. Because, of course, if the Wolves win tonight and the Nuggets oh. lose tonight, yeah. there's still a chance we could make the sixth seed if the, Nug- the Nuggets have to lose tonight to the Grizzlies and then lose to the Lakers in their final game of the season. Probably not going to happen. Some people are like, maybe LeBron wants to get the scoring title, though. Maybe he has to come and drop 50. He's, he's, he's been ruled out. They're so bad. The Lakers are so bad. I don't know about for no that game, but he's been ruled out, You know, again, for, for Thursday as we record here. Right. But it's seeming like, yeah, all those guys are going to be shut so, down. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, you, you never know. It could, But, yeah, no, if the Nuggets lose tonight and they have to win on Sunday or whatever it is to clinch the 82nd game, they're not going to rest their guys. They're going to play for real. So I don't, don't see, like, a stripped-down end of the season. And we already booked our vacations, Lakers squad, <laughs> yeah, beating yeah, the Nuggets yeah. then. But uh, technically, it could uh, anything could still, still possible. Happen. That's right. That's why. Uh, that's why it's not. Uh, it's not all the way locked in. But it pretty much is. Pretty much. Yep. It's. Uh, I mean, have you seen the Lakers play this season? Mm. They have been so bad, you guys. I thought it was so funny when they had like. Five games left in the season or something. AD was like, well, just watch. We're going to go 5-0. and oh. And they lost every single one of the games. <laughs> oh, no. They've lost like nine straight oh. at this point. They're such a bad team. And, you know, let's let's just go ahead and take our, you know, 20 seconds as Wolves fans to kind of just delight in the failures mm. of the Lakers. Always good. I mean, it's really around the league. Everyone is celebrating. But, uh, yeah, especially for Wolves, Wolves fans, I think uh, there's a little bit of extra animosity towards the, the team that took our Lakers. That's right. <laughs> in that kind of way. I just learned today that the Lakers, before becoming the Minneapolis Lakers, they were the Detroit Gems. Oh, I didn't know that. The Gems. Yeah, today Very I learned. Nice. How did you learn that? Where was that? I don't know. I saw it on the some, internet, some so it must be Reddit, true. Some Reddit, some, yeah. <laughs> some Reddit thing. Uh, but, yeah, Wolves went 2-1 uh, and one this week. Uh, winning both games on the road and then losing on Tuesday at home. But they started off on uh, last Friday with uh, the best game of the best game of the week, uh, taking care of business out in Denver, uh, beating that team that's ahead of them, putting themselves in position to be where they are right oh, now. Oh yeah, that was a good that was a good night to be a Wolves fan. Oh yeah, everything really, felt good. Really, really good game. Right and high. Just just a really fun game. Just in general, as a basketball fan to watch. I mean, anytime you get a you know Towns. You know, Jokic kind of battle like that. That's that's one of the most fun matchups I think for Towns or for Wolves fans to watch. You know, Towns go through at least is uh, him versus uh, you know the MVP. Um, you know, so that's always good when both of those guys go, go into battle. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I found it. It was a, on Reddit today. What's an NBA fact that sounds unbelievable but is true? couple of ones that were related to the Wolves slash Lakers. Uh, one of them, Los Angeles Lakers began as the Detroit Gems. 
After a 4-40 season, they disbanded their roster but got the first overall pick in the Professional Basketball League of America dispersal draft. They picked George Mike and moved the team to Minnesota and won a title that next year. That's... George Mikan effect for you, everybody. Uh, this one's fun. The Seattle Supersonics have won a playoff series more recently than the Sacramento Canes, which means that they've. I think the same applies to the Wolves as well, because I think the mm-hmm. Canes last won a playoff series in 2004 when the last time the Wolves won a playoff series. Uh, so that's uh, one that, you know, man, I just saw it the other day. Actually, I've got the, the tweet still here. The Canes will miss the playoffs for the second t- 16th consecutive season, a new NBA record. Wow. And that's one of those moments of, you know, there but for the grace of God go I kind of thing. Like, that could have been us, you know. Anytime anyone wants to deride the Jimmy Butler experiment, just remember, that could have been us, you know. that's You don't want to be making those records. And then finally, a last uh, little fact from here is the Minneapolis Lakers have more playoff appearances than the, than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, despite the Wolves playing for 20 more seasons. Oh, this doesn't, that doesn't surprise me, really. I mean, uh, <laughs> without knowing those dates, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, Good bet there, all, all those titles, um, yeah, with that Lakers team. Um, but, yeah, back to the Denver game here. Wolves, uh, you know, just just really, you know, they could really just feel this was, you know, one that they just had to have, one that they needed to get. And just sort of for, you know, again, you know, things didn't go their way at that Washington game jumping forward. But, you know, just, again, even if you're not going to catch, so you know, Denver, Utah, whoever it is, just to get some good wins on your belt to be like, yeah, we can hang with these guys. Yeah. We're in the same ballpark as them. So I think just beating, you know, kind of the last remaining, like, quote, unquote, good team uh, on their schedule. Um, I guess the Bulls are, are also a good team. But, yeah, I think that's just important for their psyche as much as anything else. Yeah, and I think that especially, I mean, uh, and this is kind of jumping forward, but you know, this is not a spoiler to tell you we lost to Washington on Tuesday, one of the worst losses of the year. That's according to Cat. Uh, that's according to a lot of the mm-hmm. players and the coaches were very disappointed. Behind that, were very gloomy about stuff afterwards. A lot of the doomsday kind of feelings among the fans as well. I've seen a lot of people freaking out online about how, like, we can't, you know, beat the Wizards. How are we ever going to stop this Clippers team? But it's like, you know, can the Wolves. When they need to lock in, when they need to, everyone says, no, now, look at what happened during the Wizards game. It's like, well, remember the couple days forward, Denver, (laughs) that was a game where it was like, this is a team that's as good as you, if not better, and can you lock in and do it, you know? And yeah, it's disappointing to drop a game you needed against a team that's worse than you, but, you know, it kind of felt like a trap game once that confetti went off early. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Another big part, um, you know, for for this game and for the Houston game, uh, you know, kind of... uh, you know, later, excuse me, earlier in the week is is you know some good some good uh, Anthony Edwards moments in here. You know, Edwards started this Denver game one of ten mm-hmm. shooting the ball, but um, had thirteen points in the fourth quarter. Had three threes, just got hot. You know, right away. So, um, you know, and then he carried that into the Houston game. I think he had thirty three um, in that game. Um, so, you know, another sort of at least uh, you know confidence booster, if nothing else, um, for the Wolves here. You know, as they you know kind of look towards the postseason right now. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, and we also got some really good Beasley minutes. I felt like mm-hmm. during this past week, which was really encouraging. Yeah. So now we just need to get a good game or two for D'Lo before <laughs> before the play-in game, and we'll be doing fine, you know? Yeah, so Wolves uh, win in Denver and then uh, finish up the road trip uh, heading to Houston on Sunday where they win 139-132. This was... This was a game that was more of a uh, more of a win than the than the score 
final score might lead you to believe um, you know, the Wolves were up 27 in the second half, and things just kind of got a little bit tight at the end. Kind Let of the a weird foot off ending. the gas a little bit. Yeah, Houston got like within six or seven or something like that. Wolves like, fans will, will tell you, you know, a, a, a tanking team can be dangerous in April sometimes. Uh-huh. We beat the Warriors in their 73 and 9 season in, yeah. the, in the final month of the season. So. It can happen. Yeah, no Christian Wood, um, no Eric Gordon in this one. They've been out for a while, so yeah, this is definitely this is definitely one of them that uh, you know could have been something of a trap game and almost was, but you know Wolves were really in control of this for a lot of it. Really good bench game for the Wolves. Um, you know, just just taking just taking care of things with a team that's you know going to have one of the three worst records in the league, maybe the worst record in the league, um, as they want to, I suppose. So it was Wolves basketball, lots of steals, lots of runouts, and you know turnovers and easy baskets like that. That's that's when you know the Wolves are playing well is, is when they're getting that stuff going. Uh, what else from this game, Scott? Did you uh, who else were you looking at uh, when the Wolves were playing Houston here? Oh, you know, it's just fun to look at. You know, I didn't. I haven't watched a lot of Houston games this year, so obviously yeah, watching really. the young talent on the yeah. team. It's uh, yeah. you know I, I've been playing Purtle. You know we've talked about it on the show, and mm-hmm. uh, whenever there's like uh, it's like you get somebody. It's like wow, I'm looking for These some guy who's under the age of 22 <laughs> or under the age of 20. It's usually on the Rockets or something. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of old players this last week, and they were mostly on the Heat. <laughs> the Kyle Lowry, a PJ Tucker. We've been getting a lot of old Heat players this yeah. past week, but it's definitely like you look at their roster, and they have like I don't know ten players under the age of 22. <laughs> it's yeah. really wild. So I mean, yeah, they were they were running up and down like a team that was just dunking and having fun, and you know, putting the end of a developmental season for them. So um, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was fun to watch. I was glad we won. You. I wanted to mention that Kevin Porter Jr. is is easily one of my least favorite players in the league. This guy is he, I, I I wrote the note. He's the new Nick Young without any of the fun. Like this guy, Ooh, ouch. He is he's like a, he, and I feel bad because he's clearly got some he's got some mental stuff going on. He's got some issues that are that uh, rear its ugly head because he's just. He's kind of a mess off the court. He's had he had another issue a few weeks ago where he like left the game and walked to the <laughs> walked to the locker room and all this oh, yeah, stuff. I, like I remember reading he's about that. just totally a space cadet at times, and yet he just keeps getting run for Houston. And I, I don't really get it. I don't think his uh, I don't think he's gonna be in the league for very long. Let's just put it that way. But yeah. I guess it's a worthwhile uh, roll the dice for Houston. They got him for like nothing. Like Cleveland like traded him for yeah. nothing just to get him out of their <laughs> locker room. Yeah, that was a forty to twenty three fourth quarter. The Rockets scored 40, we scored 23, but once again, we were up so big, it was just kind of like, play it out, you know? Yeah, totally. All right, and then you mentioned it, Scott, the Wolves, uh, one of their worst losses of the season, falling to uh, Washington. On uh, on Tuesday of this week, one fourteen to one thirty two. Washington thirty five wins on the season. Currently eleventh mm. in the Eastern Conference. They yeah. have no play in aspirations. Yeah, not even year. close. They're not even close to the play in. And uh, you know, but uh, hey, they had uh, pride to play for. Scott, that's what it was. And Kristaps uh, Porzingis led the way for the Wizards. He was fantastic. Uh, just you know, the Wizards had a lot of shots in this game, and a lot of them came from uh, from the zinger. Out there, so uh, this was uh, this was a rough one for sure. I mean, this was you kind of for the wolves. You, you, this is one you need to have. You kind of need to have them all, and you know to to lose this one, especially after the great performance in Denver. 
pretty tough, but uh, hey, that's how it goes in the NBA. All these, there's still guys who are, uh, you know, playing for pride. And like I said, you almost lost that Houston game as well. Even the quote unquote tanking teams could still uh, could still nip you. So yeah, I think you know, just looking at the stats from that game, it's my biggest worry about the playoffs. It's been the thing that kind of. It's been the secret bugaboo of the not so secret bugaboo of the Timberwolves all season, which is the rebounding battle. Uh, we yeah. lost it thirty eight to fifty two, um, and once again they just been dominating us on the boards, and that's kind of a problem with the Clippers coming up too. So hopefully maybe the, the Timberwolves will do something about adding some size to this team. Maybe we can talk about that coming up. Yeah, that might that might have been addressed uh, after <laughs> after this game. So, um, but yeah, another Washington, another team I haven't watched a lot of. So good to see Avdia. And um, a couple of the other guys uh, get it going, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what the Wizards are about next year. Also, Washington rocking some of their ugliest, ugliest, <laughs> you know, horizontal stripe like kits them. for this one. Now it has gotten better because they used to have horizontal stripes that like you couldn't read the numbers and stuff. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Now there's too much white con- outlines on everything. Contain them more. Now they've taken the white and the black. It's just like <laughs> red on blue instead of ha- everything having piping and, and outlines and stuff. You're right. It is improved. So it is improved, and I do like that they're brighter colors now though like mm. dark navy and like the dark red were just like they never really popped <laughs> i get you're trying to not be like detroit's you know bright blue and red colors but yeah. it just works better so um yeah i mean i think the wizards have had a really bad kind of design ever since they rebranded from the teal wizards you know mystical wizard logo to like the dc <laughs> era stuff i like the, some of the dc logos like the basketball and the washington monument and stuff yeah, but like it just feels like they haven't really they have nice pieces but there's no cohesive kind of vision for that right now yeah totally all right that's week recap let's talk about uh what those games uh meant for uh for the play-in tournament Here's the tip. All right, play-in tournament is upon us. We got the date. We were oh. wondering because we got tickets. Neil and I are going to be there. We'll you be know, in the house. But we didn't know what night we were going to go, so it was kind of like, ooh, I hope I don't have anything planned for that night. But now we know it is Tuesday. Next Tuesday, what is the date? April 12th. April 12th. Big day for Timberwolves fans. That is the game day. Oh, my gosh, it's happening. Yeah, they, the league announced all the dates for the for the play-in tournament. And, uh, yeah, the first, the first games will be taking place on Tuesday the 12th. So the Wolves could have either played on Tuesday or Wednesday. And it uh, it'll be Tuesday, so uh, yeah, we're we're just going to assume they're in. Okay, we talked. We already we already highlighted that there's a sliver of a chance, though. But from the rest of this podcast, we're yes. going to talk as if we're in the plan. Yep, because Neil and I already got tickets, and <laughs> Lord knows we're going to use them. So uh, yeah, and they need like all the help in the world. To I make did it possible, some so. I did some deep research today, Neil. Ooh, really went into the on, stats, on. league history, and I can tell everyone not to worry because in the history of the league. The number seven seed has never lost in the play-in tournament. Oh, that, and that is undefeated. That's, that's ironclad, right there. That's right. Never happened. Wow. So. And then, yeah, the Wolves would not, not be that team to to start that trend. So, yeah. So uh, the Clippers are locked into the eighth uh, place, and uh, we assume the Wolves will be there right at the seventh place. And um, that'll be the second game of a of a two game doubleheader. That day, and um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what we want to focus on now. Now that we for sure know, I mean it's been looming for such a long time. I feel like this was this was always the most likely scenario: is Wolves Clippers, uh, Wolves hosting the Clippers for that first game. But um, now it's like ninety percent locked in here, Scott. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about it last week. How are you feeling about about the game overall and the? and the proposition of uh, facing off against the Clippers. 
I get why people are sweating the Clippers because Paul George has been playing well. Norman Powell just came back and had a great night the other night. Mm. I get why people would be worried, especially because, Deep you know, team. we've struggled against the Clippers this season. We know what Zubac can do to Towns and take Towns out of a game, you oh, know? Yeah, so oh, yeah. and just talking about the rebounds. So there are concerns. And we talked last week about Ty Lue's a good coach, so you have to be worried about that. But overall, like I said, I'm not worried about the play-in because even if we lose to the Clippers, we get a home game against the Pelicans or the Spurs. So I just I don't see a, a way where the Timberwolves are going to lose two at home. They might lose the Clippers game I don't think so I'm going to put my money on the Wolves you know I'm I'm very confident in the Wolves but <laughs> even if that were to happen I, I just think like you know let's let's see the next game would be April 15th yeah it'd be Friday it's uh, gonna Friday be, so it's a big gap there's a big gap between yeah you know that's going to on Tuesday if, if we do lose to the Clippers that's going to be a really tough time for Timberwolves fans so tune into Wolves cast next week <laughs> if, if we lose that Clippers game <laughs> oh, and no. we'll keep you all together oh, we'll keep, no. you, keep the fan base together and don't <laughs> spiral everyone Oh uh, yeah, well, it's hard to lose two in a row at home, even with the Wolves playing not great, not their best yeah. recently. So I'm I'm very optimistic. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a super fun game, and just like a game where you know both teams are just leaving it all on the floor. You know, I think that we'll get a really good assessment of this Timberwolves team. I think it'll be a very exciting game. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely really looking forward to it, and I'm not too worried about dropping that game. But I'm not. Uh, Unlike you, I'm not in a place where I'm saying, "Don't worry, they'll 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 get in one way or the other." Yeah. I I guess yeah. Either way, if they're the seven or the eight seed moving on, they're probably going to get wiped in the first round. But there's something about I feel like there's a pretty big difference between the Suns and the Grizzlies. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's kind of what's in my mind too. Like I'm thinking maybe inappropriately, I'm sort of thinking ahead. And saying, I would really, really like to get that seven. I mean, getting the eighth would still be nice. Still in the playoff. You still I didn't even quote, consider quote, that. survive. I didn't even consider that. You're but so right. I, I'm not trying to add extra stress or pressure. I'm just saying it's so much better of a situation to get the seventh than to like kind of get the consolation eighth where you're going to get like swept. I could talk myself into the Wolves winning the Grizzlies series. Yeah, you know? I think it'd be, I don't know. Yeah, you could talk yourself into a seven-game series or like a yeah, good six-game series. We match something. up well with them. They're yeah, a fun exactly. team. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, kind of young. That's a great point. I didn't even think about how different of an experience it would be if we dropped to the Clippers and then have to play the Suns in the first round. Yeah. You're right. It's just like I felt really good about like bring on the Warriors. Even they're hobbled. Sure. They're not playing great. Sure. Bring yeah, on yeah. the Mavs. Bring on, but just not the Suns. And you're right. So uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. Maybe I am a little worried. Worried, not uh, worried. Huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not really about are you worried that they won't get in. It's just like can they just please get that that seven seed? That's that's what we want. But um, a couple other things I was I was thinking about here. I mean, you mentioned. Zubak, but also Isaiah Hartenstein has been mm-hmm. one of the most improved players this year, um, and they, so they got two bigs who can really who can really trouble towns. And you know the Wolves have gotten better about um, you know you know kind of spacing out a little more, being able to play with Vanderbilt on the floor as the five. But that was something that Tyloo did so well early in the season to sort of scheme out Vando and really be able just to leave him alone and make their defense really sing. So that's something I'd be looking at. And then also just, um, you know, just, you know, where where does, you know, the sort of depth on both these teams, I think, is pretty well matched. The Clippers are way up there in depth strength as well. You know, trading for, you mentioned Norman Powell, but Robert Covington. 
Um, you know, they, they they go deep on, on, on lots of different positions. Um, you know, they're big. You know, we talked about Zubac and Hartenstein, but then you get Marcus Morris in there kind of as a four as well. I mean, they they are they are you know Terrence Mann talking Reggie Jackson. All these guys have been to the playoffs. They've they've been solid. So it's just a at full strength. It's such a well rounded team that you know I think it'll be a really good matchup for the Wolves depth wise. And then finally, I've talked about the Patrick Beverly angle here. You know, uh, I think that's really interesting as far as you know him knowing these guys so well and going way back with them. And and um, you know, can that be uh, something of a of a of a benefit? Can that be an advantage you have. I mean, it wasn't in the regular season. Wolves <laughs> went one and three against the Clippers, and it wasn't really that close. So, um, those are just some of the other things I'm thinking about as it pertains to this uh, Clippers specific matchup. Anything else, Scott, on Clippers Wolves uh, next t- uh, Tuesday? I mean, this is this is like four, five days away for us right now. That's what we're talking about now. It's like it sounds crazy, but it's like yeah, it's next week. The playing game is next it still week. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel that Tuesday, real. But, Tuesday. Uh, I mean, just note that this is good for the Clippers-Wolves rivalry. Some people don't think we're rivals, but we are because we're competing for the worst team in the NBA. Who's the worst, you know? For a while, I hated that the Clippers got to the Western Conference playoffs last year because that was something the Wolves had (laughs) over them. The Clippers never made it to the Western Uh, Conference playoffs. Wolves had, but now they both have. But uh, So, yeah, the Clippers, especially after the last 10 years, have gotten a foot step up on not being the worst franchise in the league, but we can catch them. So I think this is another good entry in the building the Clippers-Wolves rivalry. I like that, yeah. The bottom bottom, uh, winning percentage team, Scott, and I just remembered – you mentioned it last week, but the Wolves are not going to reach the 400 mark. Nope, that's because they had to win out, right? That's the devastating thing about the the Wizards' losses. We'll be under 400 for uh, at least the offseason. until next fall. Yeah, but that's then tough. what do you think? I mean, this could be a good predictive, but like, will the Wolves be over 400 at this time? One year from now. You oh, know? yeah. No, no, no doubt. Because the thing is like... Just going 500 will do it. Yeah, no, just going under, going under 500 will do it. You know, <laughs> you could go 400 and it would raise us up to 400. You yeah. know, like we we could lose yeah. a lot more games than we win and still make that. So I just don't think that's going to happen with Finchie on the squad. Because I said, right. is Finchie ever going to get a positive coaching record? He already has. So I'm not worried about that. It would be a huge, like, yeah. what a disappointment of a season if we didn't reach 400 next season. It's a <laughs> given at this point. Yeah, totally. All right, that's the play in preview it's coming real soon um but uh guess what the wolves have uh, a new player for that play in who who could it be he's hitting up it's old friend uh old moose. timberwolves legend mr moose the moose on monroe greg monroe back shout out to the moose on Monroe. i haven't gone since the pandemic but that was uh, it's a fun northeast lesbian bar great karaoke they give you these huge like it's a place where you'll be drinking for like a couple hours and you'll get your bill and you'll be like what I owe this little? What? It's a good place. Little little uh, little dive bar, college bar action right there. That's right. Love the moose on Monroe. But anyways, Greg Monroe, the moose, is playing for the Timberwolves again. He's you may back. remember him from when he valiantly led the team <laughs> to victory over the Boston Celtics in his first yeah. NBA game in like four years or whatever earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, basically, wow. just a big body. Uh, as you've noted here in the doc, Neil, Nate Knight is ineligible to play because he's on a two-way contract, so you can't play in the postseason, which is kind of a dumb rule, I think. But, uh, you yeah. know, whatever. It's the 
CBA. <laughs> uh, so Greg Monroe, good to have, though, because like we just said, you got uh, Zubak and Hartenstein, and if Cat gets into foul trouble, uh, I don't want to say when Cat gets into foul trouble. <laughs> I just feel like, oh, be, yeah. get, prepare yourself for that one. But yeah. if Cat gets into foul trouble, it's not like Nas is going to be able to defend Zubak and Hartenstein down low. He's just not you know, big enough for that. So Greg Monroe can take five minutes, maybe ten minutes, if things are going really poorly, and just provide a body down low so they can't just dump it in for easy points. Yeah, and I think this was a signing that you know, especially after that 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 game, that that miracle game, that you know, I think is probably my most memorable moment of the season. Oh yeah, uh, be, mostly because I was there, I was in person, but like, yeah, Nate Night Night, all that stuff. But you know, thank you, Nate Night. You made my <laughs> prediction come true that night. After after the that game, they're like, oh, sign him up for the rest of the season, and then you know they let his tend to expire, and you kind of bounced around to some other teams and stuff, but. You know, I think we had talked about him a few weeks ago as, you know, potential, you know, like waiver guy to get on or whatever. And, uh, yeah, the Wolves need size all year. I mean, this is someone who fits in well kind of as a Towns facsimile as well. I mean, that's what you love about Nas is that, you know, he plays kind of similar to Towns as far as having the stretchability and, and all that kind of thing. But with Greg Monroe, you know, it's his passing from the elbows, that kind of thing is super valuable. And then, like you said, just being a big body, getting rebounds and, you know, doing some of that dirty work as well. Well, especially with, you know, we've all watched the games. We've all watched oh, the games. Everyone listening's watched the games. We and know, so if you've know. been watching the games like the real fans, you know Nas gets beat up a little bit. He could twist an ankle. He could hurt his shoulder. He could go back to the locker room, you know. He and, falls over all the time. Yeah, so. and to Nas's credit, that's a tough, a tough ombre. He comes back, you know, he fights his way back into the games. We've seen him go out and you're like, oh man, is Nas going to be out for two weeks? Nas ain't worried about it. Yeah, he comes back in that second half and plays. But if Nas, you know, tweaks an ankle and cats in foul trouble, you don't want to, you can't have Nate Knight out there. So you don't want to have like V8 or uh, Jaden playing the backup five against Zubak or something. Talk about fouling a guy out. Get Jaden on Zubak. So I think it's just crucially important. Even if you plan not to play him and you're like, the plan is Nas is the backup, Towns is is the primary guy. Like I said, just an ankle tweak. We could you know destroy your depth there, so it's yeah. very important to just have him, even if he doesn't play, just at, on the bench. So you're like, it's kind of like uh, well, now we're blanket. talking about baseball. Rod and Gardenhire never liked to play like Joe Maurer, like at first base or whatever, because he was like, oh, I need my backup catcher. That's not the exact example. I'm messing it up the example, but well, Gardy was always like, I can't use my backup catcher in case we need him. I can't pinch hit my backup catcher in case we need him later. And so he would only feel comfortable when he had three catchers on the team at the time <laughs> to do stuff like that. And that's kind of like, yeah. The, Maybe this is just a safety blanket for Chris Finch to know. Like, in case of emergency, I can break for big body. That's right. You need a contingency plan, and Greg Monroe is that. So, yeah, it's uh, good to have him back. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we don't need him much. But if we do, we have uh, we have a capable veteran big man right there to do his thing. So that's nice. Welcome back, Greg Monroe. All right, what's, uh, what's next? What do we got here? He's on fire! Well, it's Minnesota twin season, Scott. It's... Uh, feels so good. The so, air just tastes different today. Opening day. As you listen to this, uh, hopefully, because it's fresh and hot in your podcast player, it's opening day right now, mm. Friday the 8th, and uh, the Twins... They're back to playing baseball, uh, Scott. You're gonna you're gonna give us a little bit of a Minnesota Twins preview, and that we were talking before we turned on the mics of you know you've done versions of this in the past, kind oh, yeah. of uh, you know Just helping like, Wolves fans understand this year's Twins baseball team. Yeah, we've got friends. You know, I know like uh, shout out Jared Jacobs, we friend of the friends. pod. He uh, doesn't understand baseball, so maybe if I talk to it, 
about it in basketball terms, you might get kind of an idea of what the Twins are looking at or looking like this yeah, season. Yeah, So let's set the yeah, scene. That's a good way because I don't really know much so that I can ask questions. And you're like, actually, it's Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So let's set the scene here. 2019, 2020, Twins win the Central Division. Mm. They're back. They had a long rebuilding period. Most of the 2010s they were rebuilding. Had a little uh, arrived one year too early kind of thing where they made the wild card in 2017. Dropped on their mm. face. Was terrible in 2018. But then arrived for real. This is the team we've been building. All the prospects are up. Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler. Oh, all having great seasons. 2019, Bomba Squad. Super fun. They set Oh, the, the home runs. They set the MLB record. Still have it for most home runs in a season. And this is from a team Ooh. that never hit home runs. The whole thing about the Terry Ryan twins, the Joe Maurer era and before twins was, oh, this, this team hates strikeouts and they hate uh home runs they don't want their hitters to hit home runs and they don't want their pitchers to strike people out it reminded me of the timberwolves back when we were the team that didn't shoot three-pointers it was like uh we were talking about like 2015 last week on the pod where it was like i was routinely saying if the other team makes more three-pointers than we shoot we're gonna lose that game and that was kind of like how backwards the twins thinking was the whole league had moved on to pitchers who could strike out batters and batters who could hit home runs and the twins are like i don't like either of those things we're gonna be old-fashioned yeah i was gonna say it was it was, uh, it was a lack of uh, modern basketball right so, exactly yeah. and so, so 2019 twins finally got with the program as well right that bomb squad team actually kind of reminds Ooh. me of this year's timberwolves team because the timberwolves went from the team that never shot three-pointers to this year, the Timberwolves right now, 25 three-pointers away from third most all-time for a team in a season. Wow. And we're, uh, we just have to hit 25 tonight and, you know, well, on, on Sunday. Yeah, 25 made ones. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, we're talking about the, like, attempted records. Right. No, from... f- we are 25 makes away. And right now, the <laughs> Wolves are playing, so it's probably already lower than that. 25 yeah. makes tonight in the next game, and we'll be third all-time for most NBA threes made by a team in a season. That's crazy. Just like it's crazy that the Twins went from hating home runs to hitting the most in a season. But that was two years ago. That was two Did years they hit ago. All the home runs last year. Uh, twenty twenty was a shortened season because of the pandemic, so you couldn't hit all the home runs. But we won the central again, and then twenty twenty one fell flat in our face. Last place in the AL Central, we went from first uh-huh. to worst. Just everything went wrong. Injuries, you know, just like players playing down. Just everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong for the Twins. Uh, so now we're looking to bounce back, you know. It kind of reminds me top. maybe a little bit of like the Warriors, how they were at the top for years and years, and then they fell off, and now they're trying to like kind of climb back up with some of the core in place, but a lot of the supporting players gone. Because the a lot of the supporting players from the last three years, that good run we had, are gone. Nelson Cruz is gone. Most mm. of our pitching is gone. Jose Barrios is gone. Like we have a couple core players that now need to step up kind of like how after jimmy left it was like cat this is your team it's time for you to step up and take the reins and he did that this season so who's that that's buxton that's buxton that's byron buxton everybody he has been like sano or is he too he's not sano has kind of shown that his ceiling is going to be low average bunch of home runs first baseman so it's not anything that's team changing byron buxton if he stays healthy could be mvp easily if he stays health is the only thing that's preventing him from being mvp right And so uh, I think like just in him inheriting the team, uh, Carlos Correa said today that it's Buxton's team. And uh, I was just like, wow, yeah, it's Byron Buxton's Who's team. Who's another great young player the, that, that the Twins need to step up this year? Oh, I mean, we like got after Buxton. Who's here, the next guy? Here's the thing is that they're really the Jaden McDaniels kind of like, Edwards is the Edwards is the Buxton. Sure. And uh, we need the well, Jaden I think McDaniels. I just compared Buxton to Cat. But oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I would say the thing with the, we are expecting stuff from our minor leaguers, especially on the pitching staff. That's kind of like the big thing is actually I should I'll get back to that. Neil, let me loop around because yeah. there's one big thing that happened this offseason is a huge thing, a huge thing, the hugest, the biggest signing in Twins history, actually, in terms of money given Whoa. to a player. Uh, this is what I told you at the time when it happened. We signed Carlos Correa, everybody, to play shortstop. This is the number one free agent on the market. He was expected Crazy. to get like the big money, 
$300 million, 10-year contract, didn't get the offer he wanted. He has mm. Scott Boris as his agent who always gets the most money for his clients. That's his thing is get the big but numbers. this time. Well, this time he said, you know what? If I'm not going to get the contract I want, why don't you just take this ridiculously friendly deal for you? He's getting Flexible. paid $35 million, so he's getting paid the most in history for any infield player, position player. And he has an opt-out for him over the next two seasons. So basically, if he has a great season this year, he opts out and signs his big money contract next season. If he's injured, then he's guaranteed to make $35 million again next season. So It's very player-friendly contract. Very player-friendly. But it's also good for the Twins because a one-year contract is always a good decision in baseball. So even if he's only around for one year, it's like you're going to get an MVP kind of guy. I compared it when it happened. The deal happened. It was late at night on a Friday, and I was texting you at like 2 a.m. I said, like, it would be like if Kyrie, who's going to be a free agent, if Kyrie didn't like the offers he got this offseason and was like, I'm going to play with the Timberwolves one for a year, season. One year, I'm going to take yeah. a one-year $40 a million one contract one. Yeah. or something, you know, just like one like really big contract for a one-year thing or yeah, or one-on-one, the kind of LeBron deal. Yeah. And then we had Kyrie all of a sudden. It's like, why would he choose us? Like, that was the thing with Carlos Correa. Why would he choose Minnesota? The, yeah, the why would Kyrie choose? Of, yeah. Is the answer just just cash? Like, no one was offering that much? Yeah, I think, honestly, it's probably cash. And, and like, they had a spot for him in the, in the infield, right? Like he, right. Yeah. And so, also, it's like, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not, we were last place in the league last year, but he knows that he could probably make the playoffs if we have a good season. So I think that it was mostly a money thing, but it's just crazy that we have like maybe a one year window where we have like this MVP type player that chose Minnesota out of nowhere. And Minnesota sports fans know like it's not normal for players to choose here, like especially like MVP, top of the market free agent to choose here. It never happens. You can count it on one hand how many times it's happened in Minnesota sports history. So that kind of blows your mind. And it's also kind of like uh, the Timberwolves. Now we get back to the Timberwolves. Now remember before this season, before we realized we were going to be a good defensive team, we were looking at the offseason and we were like, well, I guess we we realize what All we need. Offense, what yeah. we need on de- uh, uh, this offseason is defense and size, and we went away from size and away from defense. And I was like, wow, we were really doubling down on just scoring all the points here. Wow, and that's what it kind of felt like the Twins did here because. All season, they're like, we need pitchers. We need pitchers. We're going to give up too many runs. We need pitchers. And they're like, what What if we got a great hitter? What if we got, I mean, what if we just juiced up our offense even more? You know? So I kind of feel like we're in similar situations to like where the Timberwolves were yeah, at the beginning of the season. When, when, when that Korea night happened, the thing you told me was like, this is great. Now the team has to get the pitching. And I guess that's my question for you is like, did they get some, did they do that? Did they, were they able to get some people or at least like bring up some people who will, be serviceable in the in the pitching realm or is that something that like comes later is that like a trade deadline sort of situation for the for the twins if they haven't done it yet i think they will get another pitcher through the trades um i think we'll probably trade for the oakland guy frankie montas but uh oakland was kind of like playing around charging us a lot raising the price so the twins uh signed a pitcher Called a veteran pitcher and mm-hmm. we traded for a pitcher today even oh so they got they did get a couple yeah of so we got a couple pitchers in here but that was the my other note is that like the wolves mm-hmm. you know that had to rely on internal development to get that defense we got v8 we got jade and i know we brought in the pat bev you know but like a lot of that internal development is how we shored up the defense that's what the twins are relying on with the pitching they're relying on the minor leagues they're yeah. relying on them because even with the starting rotation now we got a couple more veteran guys in here but mostly the bullpen and most of the pitchers on this roster are internal guys. We're really relying on the minor leagues players to step up and have good seasons. So I feel like we're putting a lot of our faith in eternal, re- internal development, just like the Wolves. Well, maybe. I hope it can happen just like the Wolves. So that's what you're looking at. We're looking at young guys stepping up. And if that happens, and if Correa's great, 
then then the Twins could be in in playoff position again. And just like the Timberwolves, Neil, we're looking at this team like, oh, they're going to have to outscore everyone. Can we find a way to find average the, defense? That defense, like the Timberwolves did. So you know, Wolves fans will feel in a comfortable spot if they start watching the Twins. They'll be like, oh, I get this. I understand. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, do you think they'll be able to do it then, Scott? Do you think uh, you think they'll be a playoff team? How many how many games do you think they'll win? Out <laughs> Here's of another 100, comparison. One hundred and sixty two games. <laughs> Here's another fun. I'm probably like eighty five, but. Uh, okay. Here's another fun comparison to the Timberwolves. Just like in the offseason, we're like, we're going to compete for a play-in spot. The new uh, baseball CBA has extended the playoffs now. Now there's more teams making into the playoffs, and now the Twins are like, we're going to make a play-in spot. So just like the Wolves, I'm going to say we're we're probably going to make a play-in spot, but maybe we'll we'll surpass that, you know, and be like that's right above the play-in spot. So is that just wild card, or is that what it is? Like, the, uh, like it used the to be called card wild card. Now it's just expanded playoffs. I'm not exactly sure what okay. the terminology will be. We'll probably have a better idea of what we're calling it after. You know? Nice. Well, there you go. Go check out the Minnesota Twins. I'll be there. Um, you know, it will. Uh, I think you know. Right now, it's kind of tough, cold, rainy, yeah, <laughs> sleet. But uh, you watch, know, as another as month or so, it'll clear up. Watch every game Byron Buxton plays in. We, okay, we might only get twenty to fifty of them. Oh no, it's so few. But he's the most exciting. Twenty games. Yeah, out of you never know. Sixty. It's kind of his track record. But oh. if we have it, like I said, if he's healthy all season, he's MVP. And when he's healthy, and you're watching, he's the most exciting player in baseball. So definitely watch while you can. Fantastic. Go Twins. Go Twins. Go. All right. Sponsor time right now before we get on to a brand new segment. You don't want to miss that one. Uh, but first, you have to you have to hear us uh, promote uh, something that, uh, well, we're all about it, you guys. It's a brand new sponsor that we have here. And uh, Scott, you're going to take it away and tell us all about it. Next week is the exciting winner-takes-all play-in game, and tickets are sold out. But have no fear, you can stay connected from your living room by playing the official Timberwolves play-in drinking game sponsored by MetaQuest. We know that Wolves fans will be stressed, so take off the edge with a refreshing beverage and mitigate your Minnesota sports fan-induced anxiety by keeping your mind on the rules of the game. When the Wolves score their first basket, sit down and take a drink. If game 82 from 2018 versus the Denver Nuggets, you know, the one we wanted to go to the playoffs last time, if game 82 versus Denver is mentioned, take two Jordan McLaughlin-sized sips of your drink. If Mark Laurie and A-Rod take off their shoes, drink the smelliest beverage available to you. Quiet Leonard shows up and is sitting on the bench and you see him smile. Take a drink and buy a lottery ticket because you clearly have been blessed with luck. During a replay review, Start drinking, and don't stop until the review is completed. When Pat Beverly, not if, when Pat Beverly gets his tech, finish your drink and break your glass. If Towns is goaded into first half foul trouble, take a drink for every minute he's stuck on the bench. If Pat Bev daps Steve Ballmer during the game, invest in Microsoft and take a drink. Match Beasley's three-point shots with shots of your own. When he makes one, take one shot. When he makes his second shot, take two shots. Good luck. If Josh Okogie receives playing time, turn off the TV and finish the bottle. This night is over. Thank you to MetaQuest for their support of Wolvescast. Up next, a brand new segment, Off the Record. Can I ask you this? 
Let me take it off the record. Will you tell me that? Let me take it off the record. What do you know? Let me take it off the record. Give me a little dirt. Let me take it off the record. Is he really hurt? Let me take it off the record. What are you here? Let me take it off the record. What's the big deal? Let me take it off the record. Is it good to miss shots? Let me take it off the record. All right, it's been a couple years. New music. Oh, wow. yeah, new beats. But uh, Behind the scenes, Neil turned that around in an afternoon, everybody. <laughs> it just flows out of it. There we go. Just had to make a little jingle. If you need a jingle, holla. I can uh, like put something together. But it's been a few years, and uh, that's far too long. Um, you know, we got to add new segments. we got to keep the show fresh. So we came up with this one. It's called Off the Record. And uh, what we're going to do here is... Uh, going to think about uh, people within the Timberwolves organization or within, you know, the Timberwolves sphere um, and think about if we had a chance to ask them an off the record question, which uh, is a journalism term that uh, basically means, uh, yeah, I can tell you this, but uh, you can't print this. You can't uh, you can't post about it. You know a thing now, but you can't quote me on this. That's right. So it's and so the, the gist of this game, Neil, this segment, this exercise in thinking mm. is that we will get a 100% honest question That's or right. answer. They they cannot lie to us. They have to tell us. They have to tell us because it will not be printed. You know, this is something that if we did know, you know, about this, we would know it for ourselves, but we would not be able to talk about it on the mics on the show. Okay. Well, if they have to tell me the truth, <laughs> then I know who I'm going with. So yeah, so it's uh, if we could if we could get anybody uh, in the wolves, um, wolves world uh, world to be a hundred percent truthful with us, and we could find out a long, a long uh, you know needed answer to anything we wanted, what would we ask them? That's what off the record's all about. We each have um, one for uh, sort of modern modern times, and uh, one that goes way back. Mine's not very modern. Well, that's okay. kind of modern. It's the first time we're still, still learning how still to do the this segment. I, I like my questions. Yes. People will like my questions. So yeah, I'm gonna get us started off here scott and mine is uh is about patrick beverly and uh yeah i've been diamond always <laughs> i've been diamond always we talked about this recently but uh you know i think it was it was in that um you know in in that interview he he did with uh with jj reddick on that podcast we, we did a whole segment power ranking segment a few shows back and uh you know he he was talking about in this interview how you know carl towns and playing alongside carl it was it was very different from what uh, he was told by his peers before you know coming to minnesota in the trade and so my first one is i would ask patrick beverly you know what what were you told what was the league consensus about carl towns what do people think about him and what are they saying because i think we can kind of guess we can kind of Oh yeah, maybe they're saying he, he's soft or he's not a winning player or something like that. But I would love to know kind of the specifics and the reasons why for a lot of that, because especially as Wolves fans, we're very close to the situation where you know we'll stick up for Towns. We've seen every single game he's ever played. So I would like to really get the specifics of you know as far as other NBA stars go, like what do they think of him and his personality and stuff like that. Because again, we get the very the broad strokes. We get the yeah, we get that, and we get the sort of Carl, you know the the teacher's pet stuff. Right? He's always saying the stuff, you know. But it's like what. 
is real? What is, what is what's behind all that? What is what do the other players who know him beyond that maybe as a competitor think about him and stuff? So give it to know. me in explicit terms. And you know Patrick Beverly well. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Use all the words. So that's the first thing I thought about as far as something from this season. And you know, I, I was saying modern, so it's okay, Scott. You're going with the, you're going with the, something a few years back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Both of mine happened within the last ten years. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. so yeah, what uh, what what uh, what's your first one for off the record? Here, I'm Scott? trying to solve mysteries, Neil. Timberwolves mysteries that have plagued it's a us. Good way to take. This, we are yeah. fans of the history of the franchise, and man, with a franchise as twisted as this, uh, there's going to be a lot of dark corners that need to be explored. My first question, Neil. One of the seasons that we really thought was going to be it, we're going to break our playoff streak. We got AK-47 on the team. Ooh. Look at this squad. It's going to be so great. Mm. Kevin Love is ready to step up, be an MVP guy. Pekovic. And the whole season was ruined by some knuckle push-ups. Oh. Remember Kevin Love broke his hand doing knuckle push-ups? Very, very, uh, very dubious about oh, that The one. rumor started immediately. He mm. threw a, f- a punch at a Vikings player at a oh. club and hit oh. a wall or stuff like that. Because the question was, like, do you really break your hand doing push-ups? This it is the seemed f- unlikely, but that was always the official story. I always thought maybe one day the official, the real story would come out and it never has. I, you know, and, and, and since then I did learn that like knuckle push-ups were a thing, but like before the story, like no one had ever like used that term before. Yeah, like knuckle push-ups. Like th- I think that's what like makes people really like really like kind of wonder what's going on here is like it still what? comes up like last year he had an instagram post of him doing push-ups on like an inflatable tube type thing and i was like is this here to protect the knuckles like uh it's just i need to know you know it's not it's not going to change anything for the gym rules but that has been one of the mysteries in my mind i need unlocked if i can get an honest answer i want it <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Love wasn't really knuckle push-ups. Yeah, that's what you got to ask him. And yeah, if if he had to tell you, then you would know, and, yeah. and then you couldn't tell anybody else. But you you would know in your heart finally what happened there. Oof. It took a, it took one of the seasons. We only had a few limited years where Kevin Love could go for the playoffs and took away one of our two best chances. Of that. Yeah, that's all right. All right, Ed Malloy took the other one. Ed Malloy, Ed Malloy. No! Uh, all right, my uh, my kind of long term one, I think, is you know I went with it. It's very obvious, but this is the first time we're doing this segment, and you know I imagine you know unless we get lots of really terrible feedback, that we'll be coming back around to off the record as a segment. We don't uh, make a theme song for one offs. Yeah, yeah, for, for next season and stuff. So we'll get to more of these, but I feel like you know for the first one, I had to go super obvious with this with this uh, sort of historical. Timberwolves off the record mystery, as you would say. And uh, I'm going straight to the top with Glenn Taylor and the best player of all time, Kevin Garnett. They have beef. Uh, KG has called Glenn a snake. You know, something happened back when uh, either around the time of KG's trade, when he was traded. Um, obviously, all this started when KG signed that huge extension. You know, there were some issues there as well. Something didn't go right between Glenn and KG. So I uh, wanted to get to the bottom of that. You took the sound drop off the board. Oh, K- or KG saying, oh, Glenn yeah. Taylor don't, don't know, know shit about basketball. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know about <laughs> basketball. So, you know, and that's the thing is I, I very carefully chose, like, KG is very outspoken. And he was, you know, almost every year he gets asked about this stuff. And most famously, like, two years ago or whatever, when he was promoting Uncut Gems, he did a whole bunch of press and was talking about this a lot and had the Glenn Taylor snake stuff. So I feel like, KG's pretty out in the open about this. Now, maybe, you know, given the the idea of this of off the record, maybe he'd say something a little differently. But I want to actually ask Glenn Taylor. I want the off the record Glenn Taylor version of what happened here, because surely he's also protecting some of this in his calls, Doogie or whatever it is. So I would ask Glenn Taylor, 
you know, what were what really were the issues between uh, you and KG? I need to know. So that's the big one. I feel like that's one of the biggest mysteries in Timberwolves history. It's led to this insane situation where, you know, clearly the best player in Timberwolves history like refuses to have his number retired while Glenn owns the team and stuff. So I feel like that's a really big one to get to. So someday I would like to speak to Mr. Mankato himself about uh, about the issues of him and KG. And so, yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, he chose Glenn Taylor instead of KG, but you you, you explained it well. I, yeah, I think he, you're right. Yeah, even though KG is not like given all the details, he's 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 on the record. He's all on the record about this. You know, stuff. At, <laughs> yeah, well, at one point in his media career, it's all going to come out from his perspective, anyways. Whereas yeah, we'll Glenn, get there. Glenn Taylor's a lot cagier. You know, the, yes. I'd like to hear his side. That's right, yeah. unvarnished. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, my my another is <laughs> speak. My next one, Neil, is another Timberwolves mystery. And maybe this one's a little bit closer to the chest. Maybe not a mystery that all Timberwolves fans are like, yeah, I always wondered about that. But I remember young Richard Rubio was (laughs) on, Ricard Rubio, Vives Rubio, was on the team. He got one of his first tattoos. Back then, Neil and I were really heavy on NBA tattoo watch, you know, mm-hmm. especially for the Timberwolves. That was like our corner. We felt like That's we right. had to Not really cover it because no one but... else is doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we were really, you know, keeping attention. We were like, oh, did you see what Pekovic added to his sleeve this week? Or whatever. Yeah, mid-season and work. So it was definitely notable when Ricky showed up with his first tattoo on his neck, the back of his neck. It looked like a 79, but it wasn't like quite a 79. Oh, but yeah. it was kind of just like it looked that way. It was a symbol that looked like the number 79. Uh-huh. And obviously, we Reporters asked him about it. He said, you know what? That's personal. I'm going to just keep that for myself. And so I was like, oh, probably like a family thing. He's close to his mom, you know, who eventually passed away. He's close to his, you know, his whole family like that. And so I thought it was just a family thing. But lo and behold, a couple years later, he covered it up. He got oh. he got some kind of like intricate like it was like a diamond, like a kind of like MC Escher kind yeah. of like design. That's the one cool. I thought you meant. Yeah, no, it looks cool. He he covered up the one he wouldn't tell us the meaning of. So I think oh. I think that means it was probably a girlfriend or something, and and he changed it for that reason. But yeah. I don't know. He never told us. And once he got it up, once he got it covered up, I was like, wow, now I really want to know what it is. So <laughs> what was the significance of the tattoo that Ricky Rubio had covered up on his neck? That was my question. I would ask Ricky. Someday. Ricky getting tricky. <laughs> yeah, quite us. tricky hiding it yeah that's right <laughs> yeah the cover up oh, i miss the old ricky <laughs> uh get well soon ricky hope to see you in the league uh next year Come oh back. i told you this i'm not sure if i said it on the pod i was doing wordle and i guess ricky Ru- oh. or purdle and i guess ricky rubio and it showed his number that he chose for the pacers because oh, yeah. he got traded to the pacers he didn't even show up in indiana they said you're injured for the rest of the season don't show up go rehab wherever you want to rehab and he, he still had to choose a number so he chose number 99 for the indiana pacers right there might as well biggest number you can that's right very nice his, All n- right. his number nine twice that is off the record first time inaugural edition and we're gonna frame that one forever Hopefully you enjoyed it. We'll do it more again probably uh, next season. But uh, before then, we need to get to Weekly Wolfies. Now presenting your Weekly Wolfies. All right, Wolfies are here. It's time to award uh, everyone who's very deserving of this prestigious award. Scott, why don't you get us started here today? Who would you like to uh, give the trophy to? 
Sometimes my wolfy changed during the course of the episode. <laughs> I, I, I like I was like I forgot what I wanted to do, so I guess I'm going to give it to him, and then I'll remember during the episode. So two things came up during the episode. One, I couldn't remember who I wanted to give it to, so I took a note last week that I like it when Jim Pete is talking about like players BSing with the refs or getting in arguments with the refs and stuff. He re- refers to it. Do you know what he refers to it as? I forgot this one. Extracurricular activities. <laughs> he needs to cut off the extracurricular stuff. And I just like that's such a Jim Pete ism that we've never called out on the show. We get one tough customer and stuff like that, but when he's He's got to knock off that extracurricular activities. That's how he describes like the off the court, like it's complaining good, it's to the refs. Catch all, yeah, exactly. You don't have to. You're not judging anybody for what they're saying. It's just right. like, listen, it's all unnecessary. And because I took a shot uh, during our sponsor at Jo, who is a great guy, Mister Comey, nonstop. I do. I haven't read it yet, but I saw that uh, John Krasinski wrote an article for the Athletic called "In Appreciation of Josh Okogie, whose selfless season has set the tone for the Timberwolves' success." I think it's about how Josh, you know, he went from being a starter on last year's team to not playing this year and yet he's been a you know loyal soldier in the organization i'm sure that's what the article is about i'm gonna read it but because i haven't i'm gonna give my wolfie to an old friend roco robert covington had a career game 43 points against the bucks for the clippers you gotta watch out for roco everyone's talking about paul george but roco set the clippers franchise record with 11 three-pointers Crazy. in a game wow wow so that's one more than ant hit and beasley and right? you know all of them had the- beasley hit 11 or they tie uh, Ant was at 10. I think Be- no, Beasley set the record Beasley for himself. 11. So 11. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of a Beasley performance. But you know those Rocco threes, they were high and arced way down the basket. You know, he he would shoot those so high. And so from such distance, sometimes he'd be taking four pointers when he was with the Timberwolves. But always happy. Rocco was just a great player. We loved him when he was here. You know, trading him brought in some new fan favorites like Jared Vanderbilt and stuff. So we wish him well on his career. I'm always happy for, you know, seeing Rocco succeed. And man, did he succeed. Had a career night. So congratulations, Rocco. You get this week's one. Wolfie. Shout out to Rocco. All right, my Wolfie is uh, kind of a broad one, kind of, uh, you know, it was brought on by a wonderful piece uh, in the New York Times last week, written by Natalie Weiner, called uh, Minnesota, a mecca of women's basketball is having its moment. And uh, yeah, last weekend, of course, was the the final four, uh, March Madness final four. Uh, South Carolina took, took, the, took, the, took the title. Once again, second year in a row for Dawn Staley and her squad, um, you know, defeating uh, Paige Beckers and uh, UConn. But um, this piece was, it's a nice piece, but it really is just kind of a, about a larger idea of, you know, how how much of a women's basketball, um, you know, as they say here in the piece, a mecca, you know, and you kind of don't realize it because you, if you live here, it's just like, yeah, this is what happens. Like we got the Lynx, they're one of the best teams in the W every single year, but you know the you know the college stuff and and how many high school kids, how many high school um, girls are being recruited nationwide to play all over the place, and uh, right underneath us we have uh, quite a hotbed of of wonderful uh, women's basketball. So um, just kind of highlighting that idea in general as we you know approach the the WNBA season, you know tipping off in about a month here, about six weeks or so. We get the draft uh, this weekend. Um, you know, so just just a little reminder as as we try and do to you know keep an eye on uh, women's basketball. I know it's getting real intense for the NBA, and it's a hard time to you know move your um, you know move your attention anywhere else, and that's fine. But once the NBA season is over, once you got a little more time or whatever, uh, turn your head over to uh, what the women's basketball is doing, especially the WNBA, and uh, we'll link to this 
um, this piece by Natalie Weiner. It kind of has got some great quotes from uh, Rebecca Brunson and uh, Cheryl Reeve and others uh, in the area. So uh, shout out to women's ballers, especially the ones that live uh, here in Minnesota. It's making it such a great place for women's sports in general. Free Britney. Free Britney. Still chilling in the... In We're purposely not talking. We're not supposed to talk. You're not supposed to talk about. I it. saw that's the like the, the strategy the is like the thing, league yeah. strategy is don't talk about it because it's going to make it worse for Brittany. So yeah. keep it quiet, everyone. I guess so. you're not going to talk about. it. All right, uh, onward to the game, Scott. We got a rocket game here, and uh, I'm excited to um, hopefully hopefully get some some questions correct. I hope so too, Neil, because it's a subject that you, I feel like you're probably a little bit more well versed on than the average Timberwolves fan, just because it's something we tend to talk about on the show more mm. than I hear talked about at other places. Jersey. But I'll bring you into it's assistant coaches or coaches <laughs> coaching staff. It could be it could be Finch as well. Uh, so basically, what happened is I was in the Timberwolves media guide as I normally am, control effing baseball to see you know if there is any players who play baseball because I know Cat was a big baseball player. He quit basketball in middle school to go baseball for a while. So uh, you know, man, we've all seen him throw it out of first pitch and talk about you know tunneling your pitch. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I've never heard that term tunneling. Your oh, pitch. let me tell you about effective velocity, Neil. It's going to change the way you watch baseball. <laughs> I'm not kidding, everyone. Read up about it. Effective, but anyways. Not real velocity. Yeah, well, it's, it's the kind of velocity. thing where, like, if if they throw the pitch and it's up, up in the strike zone near you, the pitch can appear up to 8 miles per hour faster. Whoa. So if you throw, like, a 90... If you have a 90-mile-per-hour pitch, that's not very fast. But if you throw it up, it looks like 98. And that way, if you throw it away, it can look way slower. So even though your pitch isn't very fast, where you put it can make it appear mm. up to 8 miles faster or slower. And so it's a way of really throwing hitters off balance. And so anyways, everyone can learn about pitch tunneling and more. Or online. Uh, check out Dino Saris. He's my favorite pitcher. Or guy who writes about pitching. Um, and beer. Um, so anyways, I found this factoid, Neil, about baseball in the media guide, and I thought, this is such a fun factoid. I'm going to ask, I'm going to read five facts about the coaches or assistant coaches, and you're going to tell me which one it's about, okay? Let's do it. Of current, the current team. Yep, that's right. This one, squad. this one might be the hardest one to start, but it's the one that's re- most related to baseball. Uh, this coach, Neil, uh, is a Middleton, Ohio native. It was a four-year starter and captain of Indiana's 1996 Big Ten Championship baseball team. Won, won the Big Ten Championship with Indiana as a four-year starter and captain. Wow. Well, uh, this that is a that is that's quite the deep cut there. But I did hear this gentleman speak about this with his interview on Wolves Plus with Marnie Gellner. Wow. But um, Mike Nori is the answer, Mister 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 Nori in the house. All right. right. He's the he's the one. He's the that's Indiana correct. baseball player. He did it. All right. I think you'll know this next one. I have a follow-up clue if you need it. Okay. Okay. Next up, this assistant coach became the NBA's oldest rookie at age 35. Aha. I know this one as well. I believe he played for uh, for Houston. I don't know. Maybe it was Brooklyn to start, but that would be uh, one Pablo Prigioni. That's you say the age? Uh, he was, was age like, 35. Okay. 35. Oldest rookie in NBA Crazy. history. Yeah, awesome. I remember he played for the Raptors and the Knicks, but I think you're right. He played for Houston, too. He what played a great for like four story. Yeah. yeah, he played for like four seasons, and obviously he has like just a huge career overseas. <laughs> he won the bronze medal in the 08 Olympics in Beijing, you know, with the Argentinian team. So that is a decorated Legend. player. But speaking of other uh, coaches who used to ball, uh, this coach, a Tennessee native, was selected 43rd overall in the 1981 NBA draft appeared in over 500 games across eight seasons. He also led Ole Miss to its first ever NCAA tournament in his senior year of college. Well, Scott, I only know the name of one other Timberwolves assistant coach, so I'm going to go ahead and guess Elston Turner for this one. He's your guy. All right. He's your guy. 
I've not listened to his Wolves Plus yet, but I need to. I know you know. Who's on the staff? We got am I, am two I about more. to find we out got who two else more. is on the staff? Oh I know you gosh. know their names. I know you know their names, oh, so you just man. don't think you know. Okay, okay, okay. okay. All right, this is Coach. Starting Brian the... Gates isn't with us anymore, I don't think. No, he's not. He's not one of the answers here. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, there are some really great fun facts about, like, VP of business or whatever. Like, I couldn't ask you them because we don't know those names, but there are some great fun facts about other people in the organization in mm, that media guy. Mm, Maybe mm. next year we'll have to start covering That's that. That's right, yeah. All right, this Coach Neal started the final 115 games of his college career and compiled a 102-13 to record. That's an 887 winning percentage, which stood as the most career wins as a starter in NCAA Division III history. Whoa. So this was as a player, those stats? Yep. No, this is a coach. But as a player in college, he he started the final 115 games of his collegiate career and won 102, which stood as the most career wins as a starter in NCAA Division III history. Man, I'm probably going to be bummed, but I really can't come up with any more names. I feel like I know Greg Farnham. He's the trainer. <laughs> but I don't really know any more of the coaches. Would I know this name? Would I, would I, I should know this it's, one? It's perhaps the biggest name on the coaching staff. <sighs> the biggest name. Who is big? Who is... Who is... Uh, who's on the coaching staff? Who's re- oh, is it Steamer? No, it's not Greg Steamsma. No, uh, you play for Wisconsin. Do you want? Okay, yeah. This is a D three guy. Remember, this is going to give it away. So maybe think about it for one more second. D three, play D three. Oh, it's uh, is it Devin George? Mm. Uh, it's not just assistant coaches. Neil. Oh, oh, huh? Chris Finch. That's right. <laughs> Finchy. Oh, you did tell me that earlier. Yeah, I told you but, Finchy was going to be uh, one of them. Okay. All right. And our final one, I think you you, you know this guy's name. We've talked about him. <laughs> Great Halloween costumes. <laughs> All right, Neil. Final one. This assistant coach, a University of Minnesota grad, went on to play 39 games uh, for the Charlotte Bobcats and is the older brother of a former Minnesota Vikings player. Yeah, now this uh, oh guy, what was this guy's name? He was he was on Wolf Plus last year. Yep. Um, his last name is like Griffin or is it Taylor? You'll, like... you'll get him mistaken for Usher if you look at him just briefly. Remember, he's he's the Usher lookalike. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, yeah, I, I kind of drawn the blank. But yeah, his brother used to play for the Vikings. Oh, Burleson. That's right. Burleson? There you go, Kevin Burleson. Kevin Neil. Burleson. I, don't, I, I knew I don't you know had why. that one in you somewhere. Kevin Burleson and his his uh, brother was Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson. Play there for you the, go. Play for the Vikings. Oh, he's still on the, still on the still on the bench, huh? Uh, yeah, Burleson's still there. I think he had a All month right. of doing the interviews with Katie Storm. So, well, thanks for helping me through some of those tough ones there. But, uh, it's always nice to give a little shine to the assistant coaches. Yeah, can't forget about them. They're out here working hard, scouting the upcoming opponents and doing all sorts of stuff. So don't forget about the, about the assistants when you give uh, love to the job that, yeah, Chris Finch has done this year. Um, but, yeah, fantastic. Thanks for putting together the game. Twins home opener is uh, is right around the corner. Scott's very excited. He's not going to be able to sleep tonight. Um, and then, yeah, next Tuesday we got uh, we got the play in game against LA. Will you be there? Scott and I will be there, chilling, watching the game, just uh, hoping for a, hoping for a Wolves victory, getting to that seven seed. That'd be fantastic. But no matter what happens in that game, we'll be back here with you uh, next Thursday. Or next Friday, I suppose, for another episode of Wolvescast. So uh, hopefully we're talking about uh, the Grizzlies and the matchup oh, right yeah. there. And we're not uh, fretting about... <laughs> we're not talking you off the ledge. 
Tuck in your toilet. Cold open next week oh, might be like, the wolves need to I wish be you would step back from that ledge, <laughs> my friend. You'll know immediately. <laughs> yeah, you'll know immediately in the cold open which way we're going with it. Uh, but yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Keep things uh, tuned. Canis Hoopus as well. In the meantime, we got lots of uh, great stuff coming up there from other writers and podcasters. It'll be a fun week. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next Friday after uh, after the play-in. Hopefully we're talking playoffs. The real the real first round, everybody. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch you then. See you next time. Bye. Remember, it's a slow burn sizzle. That's what it's all about. Long, hot summer days. The sweat on your brow. Is it really only the third inning, man? It's the long haul. Anthony Edwards, just such a big fourth quarter from him in Denver. Then he comes into this game. He has 23 points in the first half. Just how confident are you seeing him play so far? Well, he's real aggressive. And we would love him to play like that every day come night.